trying to think of an opening for this episode and this is the first episode i've put a lot of work into in a while because i've it's the first time i've had time to put a lot of episodes. right yeah because your work has been largely killing you and that's yeah. why you weren't able to, to well and also to be fair some of the movies we've covered lately have not really given you much no. stuff that you felt enthusiastic about working with see the mummy 2017 oh, god yeah there really wasn't that much to dig into that no one. that movie fucking sucked i'm enjoying paul verhoeven month Yes. Uh, I liked doing Starship Troopers and then following that up with Showgirls. <laughs> um, it, it's it's fascinating. It's genu- genuinely a fascinating case study, uh, jumping between those two. Because like, he still has this. It's still a Verhoeven movie. Like, it's oh, still, very like, much so. Yeah. And my brain was like, oh, why don't you talk about the times you've been a woman? And I, I don't know why my brain was. I, <laughs> I had to, like, really think about why my brain made that jump. And I think it's because of the late the midnight show. So so Showgirls has gone on to become a midnight show. That movie. makes sense. Yeah, and it is very common for people to dress up in drag as the characters because it's basically oh, already my. that. I bet there are some real good versions of Mama out there. <laughs> Just <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Mama. <laughs> She's it's my favorite. I knew she would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. Mm. God, her and the um, I couldn't. I don't know what his position was. If he was like a stage manager or like a choreographer, but he's the one that's like thrust it, thrust it. Oh yeah, it. yeah. No, he was amazing. I loved him. Yeah, I <laughs> again, we'll get to it. Um, that guy, I believe, actually is like involved in shows on that level. It, <laughs> he was too good at that to yeah. not ha- actually have that job at one point. Mm-hmm. I know he's – I did some research on him, but I know he's he's basically a character actor. Sure, sure. Uh, so the first time I was a woman was when I was in the sixth grade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a performer at that point. Okay. But there was very little opportunity for a sixth grader to be in a performance. Sure. So and I especially was, for a six for for a, a sixth grade boy in Altoona to be a to be a woman. I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, few and far between opportunities there. God, I there's a, vi- a videotape. It may or may not still exist of this performance. Oh my god! The the music teacher's like, hey, so at the end of the year, we're gonna do a bunch of songs for the. Fuck! I just remembered we did an R. Kelly song. Oh. We also now that figures actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, um, was it? I believe I can fly. Oh yeah. Of course it yeah. was. Yeah. We also did. I, I I doubt they were gonna have you doing the remix to Ignition. <laughs> Actually, I don't think it was out yet at that point, no. regardless. But it, we could have. We could have. It was out. Um, no, the, the music teacher was like, hey, we need a, a boy to do this female part. Um, and because it was Altoona and we didn't have any sense of how offensive <laughs> this could be, I was a Jamaican woman. Oh, no, Jack, um, no. <laughs> like, You're not about to tell me they put you in blackface, They did not. You? Okay, they did thank not. God. It was just a scene in the production. Otherwise, I... They, <laughs> It would not have surprised me, but uh, fucking wild. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My my favorite time being a woman was my freshman year of theater. 
Okay. And I was in a play called New Descending a Staircase, which is based on... Right. You've mentioned that on the show a couple of times. Have I? Yeah. I think so. It's definitely been something that I'm sure I've talked about while we've been drinking. (laughs) Yes. Definitely that. (laughs) Well, um, it's it's based on a, I want to say a Marcel Duchamp painting. Sure. Cubist painting. But something like rewrote his life. As as a murder mystery, that's fun. Yeah, no, it was I was it was a cool play. Uh, I was the nude, descending the staircase, descending the staircase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to, and I'm I'm convinced there's only there's two reasons I got the part. One, I agreed to be in it. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> you were a willing body. <laughs> yeah, there there was a pretty low turnout for that production because. I didn't know this at the time, but the director had a bit of a reputation. Oh? Yeah. There, There's a reason I went into directing for a while. Sure. Because I was like, maybe this acting thing, not for me. Perhaps Showgirls is more like my life than I realized. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, too, gave Kyle MacLachlan a strip dance you two fish made, hump. You, you two made... Uh, <laughs> dolphin made, love, too. <laughs> made horrifying, deeply concerning dolphin love to Kyle MacLachlan and made him ruin some good pants. So I was this woman, and I was... <laughs> I, I had to put on... Uh, my bat... So, like, I'm a woman, so my, my wiener has to point upstage. Yeah. Uh, so they cannot see that I am, in fact... A penis having person. Yes. So I'm I'm putting on like leggings. Respect. Don't know how that those work. Those are the worst. Terrible. And then heels. Never figured those <laughs> out. I did. I did get pretty good with the leggings. Uh, the pantyhose. Never the heels didn't work for me. Uh, but there was one rehearsal where I had my fur coat. It was the first time we were wearing it. I was wearing it, and the fur coat just kind of like flew open. Um, and I'm performing, and no one called cut. So I was just like, I'm walking, I'm a strong man, woman. <laughs> I think the stage manager actually called cut. Fantastic. Uh, or, or, you know, they don't call cut. They don't, in theater, but. They intervened. There's a stop, please. Hey, guys. <laughs> Jack, you cold? I felt great. It was very refreshing. <laughs> good, good God here. Uh, here we are. We are the Durazzled. Welcome to Durazzled. <laughs> The podcast that takes award-winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Colbertson, and here to suffer alongside me, as always, is also host Joe Nealis. They don't teach you how to do this in a class. They do, don't they? They might. They might. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I did take an editing and, cu- and publishing class mm-hmm. in undergrad, and there was absolutely a time where we edited audio. We're like, you could do this for podcasting, and I was like, what's that? <laughs> mm, the seed was planted. It was like 2009. I, I was thinking earlier today, I'm like, I'm so thankful that we saved this particular movie for our second season, because... Oh, God, I can't imagine what we would have done in season one with this. I don't... We weren't ready. We weren't ready for this monster. Um, there's like a... You know, if there's like a Mount Rushmore of terrible movies, I think this is on... This is on mine, at least. Uh, okay. Troll 2, The Room, <laughs> Showgirls. There's only three presidents. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, yeah, this is where we reveal your long-standing grudge against t- against Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, um, yeah, to to be determined. I'm curious. Anyway, so like we put a lot of thought into this one. For it, I've you know I watched Showgirls. I also watched All About Eve. I watched a documentary called Girl Twenty Seven. 
and hmm. another documentary called You Don't Know Me. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Or Girl 27, now that I think about it. Girl 27 is pretty esoteric, but You Don't Know Me just popped up in like, oh, you're researching Showgirls? Well, this is a movie, a documentary about the making of Showgirls. Oh, um, well then. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. But I think first, for those of you who have somehow gone without <laughs> watching this movie, I'm going to provide you with the best summary that I can. I mean, can. it's so easy to find and to watch without ads and such. <laughs> Just What is Tubi? It can't be legal. It's, I mean, it's ad-sponsored. It's all, as far as I know, it's legal. I mean, it's legal enough that, like, every middle-aged person that I work with is super yeah. into it. <laughs> so, instead of providing a highly descriptive summary full of quips, we'll be playing a game called Pavlovian Horses, wherein... I'll have five minutes to summarize the movie and not a second more. When the timer hits five minutes, Joe will blast me with horse sounds. Jello claims they no longer use horse hooves in the creation of Jello. That's strike two, Jello. <laughs> but before we do, strike one. Do you remember as a kid who their spokesperson was? No, Jello. Oh, who was Jello? Oh. Strike two, Strike Jello. Okay, fair. Okay, I got you now. <laughs> Perfectly good horse hooves getting thrown away. Uh, but before we do, Joe's going to remind you to make a list and check it twice. That list being of things that you should do. You should do it. Yes, like look us up on social media and follow us and tell your friends to do the same. And also, please rate and review the show so that we uh, pop up higher in search results. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been doing that, including for our uh, episodes on Starship Troopers uh, that we just did. I've got like a serious case of cotton mouth. My my new meds are doing some things. Oh, man. So. Yeah, that'll happen. Sorry about that. Yeah, we got city water. It's fine. So uh, before you hit the timer, I should say that like I'm I'm reading this uh, as as the Jack of a week ago who wrote the script. Sure. All right. Okay. Three, two, one, go. <sighs> Fuck. All right. Fine. Uh, let's do this. Let's summarize Showgirls. It's my day off, and I had been learning how to make my own action figure, starting with the X Men character Phantom X. Or Phantoma, if you're going with the friend's pronunciation. You see, <laughs> oh it could go either way, because when Grant Morrison first debuted Phantoma, that's He's the way I jumping right it. into the Morrison um, reference this time. Phantoma <laughs> uh, being an homage to the 1968 Italian film Danger Diabolique, or Diabolic, depending on, again, the pronunciation. Uh, for his run in the new X-Men, uh, he presented the characters French. But later in that same run, we learned that this is just an identity that he's created for himself so that he can feel like a super cool, super spy assassin. I'm talking about Fantima, uh, not Grant Morrison. Definitely not Grant Morrison. But yes, let's do step away from what I believe was Grant Morrison uh, his early self-analysis of gender identity in the early 2000 comic books. I'm bewildered. <laughs> so that I can tell you about how I learned Jesse, Jesse Spano has a landing strip. <laughs> you took up almost, now an entire minute. <laughs> Nomi, the writer's pet name for his wife, hitches a ride to Vegas oh. to become a showgirl. Ass, gas, or grass? How about a switchblade to the balls, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> she becomes embroiled in strange sex games between the lead of the show, Crystal with an eye, and Kyle McLaughlin. She finds herself in a pr in just, this predicament. Just Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got a weird side gig. <laughs> and a weird side come. Yeah. Um, 
she finds herself in this predicament after uh, abducting a best friend who's a seamstress for the show. Yeah, she just kind of grab her and conscript her into best friend-itude. They mind bump. They head bump like cats and then they're friends. They do, yeah. Uh, Nomi isn't quite at the level to audition, uh, so she strips at the cheetah, which is a scummy not-pimp. With a, with a scummy not pimp and a sideshow comedian who has her dress rigged to flash people as a sort of rim shot to her gags. And I love her so much. <laughs> uh, it's basically divine. Um, yeah. Um, at the cheetah and at the insistence of Crystal, Nomi makes Kyle McLaughlin jizz in his pants uh, with a lap dance dry hump. Uh, dolphin fuck. That, w- uh, that should be extremely disconcerting to anybody who practices chiropractics. Um, you have to, I would think she would have more predominant abs being able to do what she did. Uh, yeah, honestly. You, you see Crystal kind of like playing, toying with Nomi, but is probably attracted to Nomi as well, but is annoyed by the naive newbie, but uh, sees a part of herself in this ambitious young dancer, but is pissed at her, uh, sort of boyfriend who wants to bang this sleazy stripper. Crystal, we all contain multitudes. <laughs> 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 Nomi auditions for the show, but her nipples are broken. <laughs> Regardless, she gets the part. Crystal volunteers to practice with her, but JK, um, they go to dine by that place uh, near Versace. 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 <laughs> uh, in a scene that passes the Bechtel test, Nomi and Crystal talk about how they they have eaten dog food. Actually, yeah, that does. Yeah. Uh, I hope it wasn't bacon strip because that shit does not taste as good as it smells. God damn it. <laughs> Nomi fucks Kyle McLaughlin like a fishy. Uh, <laughs> missing an opportunity to make orca ni- noises as she does. Where am I time-wise? Uh, like a minute and a half. Left? Or? Left. Oh. Uh, <laughs> then pushes Crystal down the stairs to get a roll and realizes that perhaps fame isn't worth it when her best friend who has having a perfectly good life before meeting this white chick came along, gets essayed, uh, yeah. allow me to give up, uh, g- give you up the speed. So there's this other subplot involving Molly and the BFF, maybe boyfriend, favorite, uh, musician, um, Andrew, uh, I want to say Carnegie, but it's not, it's like Carver or something. Um, Andrew Carver at Andrew every opportunity Carver, in the yeah. movie, um, they, they can insert the song. They just like cram it in there. It's one of the worst original made for movies songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Um, I I can't actually remember, uh, what's happening in the scene, uh, cause it's, it's intercutting between like Nomi doing a thing and then that happening. Uh, anyways, um, uh, Nomi has enough of the scum, scummy under, I see your thumb moving. <laughs> Nomi has enough of the scummy underbelly of Las Vegas, deciding to trade it in for the scummy underbelly of Hollywood. She hits us a ride, booking the film with the same dude who picked her up originally. As George Lucas would say, it's like poetry. Somewhere in the in an alternate universe, Showgirls was a smash hit, and Paul Verhoeven was given was given the go ahead to direct a sequel, uh, Showgirls Two. Naomi goes, Naomi goes to Hollywood. I'm not joking. Wait, was that the end? Yeah. Holy shit, Jack! That was exactly five minutes. <laughs> Literally, I was about to hit play. Like, just good lord! <laughs> I'm sweating. There's just like. <laughs> I can't believe you did Sweat that. Sweat running down my back. Jesus Christ. Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> How's your heart? 
<laughs> How's my mouth? That's actually, yeah, it's a better question, probably. <laughs> oh my god, oh, that was a, that was amazing. I'm I can't even be mad about I, that. I thought I was done. For. I thought we were in Horse City for sure. I was no. like, at least let me get this George Lucas reference out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, have you ever seen that clip? Which one? Uh, there's like a bunch of made behind the scenes uh, making of Episode One stuff. Oh, I've probably seen it, <laughs> and. One of it's like after all the executives have watched the first cut of episode oh. one, and he's trying to explain it to to them. Like he's he's trying to like talk himself into liking the movie. Yes, and that they all like the movie. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you see, it's kind of like um, it's like poetry. Yep, <laughs> because there's something like about booking and ending. Um, anyway, <laughs> <sighs> bravo. God, I so when I asked you what how much time i had left uh-huh. it was at the moment that i said she missed her opportunity to make orca sounds while she was fucking in the swimming pool yep so there's this one time <laughs> <laughs> okay there's this one time that i was at the sexy club oh right and had done my thing i was just kind of like laying there you know hmm. but it, it you know it, the, the way it's set up is it's a bunch of you know paper thin wall rooms yeah uh, i imagine the soundproofing is non-existent it's not great so i could hear somebody having the sex in a, in one of the adjacent rooms and they were making orca sounds they kind of were <laughs> and i was i had been drinking enough and was in in that post bliss that <laughs> just started to make orca sounds along with them <laughs> Reenacting Dory talking to whales from yes. finding Dory. Yeah. You're having your own little Pixar moment yeah. in the middle of this fuck club. Yeah. It was a good time. Incredible. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. I will note. Oh, my God. You got through that entire synopsis and did not once mention the character of James. Uh, yes. Yeah. There, there are several subplots. One of them involves James that could have been completely cut and you would have lost nothing. Not a single thing. It's um, kind of bewildering. Really quickly to catch you up on James, Nomi and her roommate slash best friend, uh, Molly. Molly, yeah. Go to a, a dance club and she is dancing really good. They, I am told uh, <laughs> she's, she, she sure she sure is just dancing as hard as she can. Yes, that I will give her that a for effort D minus for just about everything else. Well, the one bouncer's just super turned on by this and he goes and dances with her and then she if by dances with her, you mean negs her a whole bunch and <laughs> insults her dancing. It's really gross. <laughs> um, I hate this that scene, uh, but it, it, it ends scene. with him. Getting nailed in the balls by her. She knees him right in the crotch, and it it, it's, it feels good in the moment. It does. She ends uh, up in prison. Does she get arrested yeah. there? I forget what. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he, then he bails her out. Yeah. Yeah. But they form a sexually tense teacher. Uh, it, well, it, well, okay, student. let's be clear about the development of this relationship here. It starts off as him stalking her, because yes. we have oh, right. no idea how he finds out where she works or lives. This is <laughs> he true. turns up in both those places. And then, and then somehow turns into 
them having a day with cheeseburgers well, and driving around. Because, so that happens because um, Sonomi's working at the Cheetah. Yes. She leaves the Cheetah. Well, she's, she's currently at the Cheetah, mm-hmm. and Kyle McLaughlin and Crystal are doing the lap dance thing. Right. And he's being a pervert and watching. He was being, he, that was part of the stalking. Yeah. He's yes. being a pervert and watching. And then another guy came up and, and a bouncer came up and called him on it. But in the yeah. process of calling him on it, reached out really weirdly to like rub the, 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 the beaded curtain. <laughs> got to straighten that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just had his ADHD moment. <laughs> Just he needed to stim for a second. Yeah, then. I get it. He's neurodiverse uh, hiring. Thank you, Las Vegas. Yeah, the cheetah's an all right place to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what does the owner say to her later? Because she, she, you know, she gets out of there, and then they there's like a mother, uh, like a father mother visit. <laughs> We uh, Becca and I were just making reference to this before I left. Uh, yeah, his mama and and what's his name come and visit her at the uh, at, at the uh, Starlight, and Mama says some nice heartfelt things about her, and then like, this fucking chode is just a chode, yeah. like a weird sexist chode. And as they are turning to leave, he turns back around one more time and goes, "I bet it's weird not having anyone come on you," but he says it in a way that he's trying to connect with her yeah like you can tell he thinks this is an endearing thing to say (laughs) it's just like must be weird not having to get that jizz mopped up off you huh don't worry sport you'll get him what a weird fucking movie what a strange this is a bizarre fucking movie um (laughs) so like james gets fired and then yes works as a bellhop i think for a hot second sees nomi leave the audition Mm -hmm. she bombed and starts, starts talking to her about you know, about that, but then his boss at the bellhop position starts yelling at him about that, yeah. which results in him getting fired and him throwing his jacket in his yeah. former boss's face. Which it took me like five minutes of that scene to realize to to realize, oh wait, he got fired from the bouncer position. I for because I legitimately had the thought like, how many jobs <laughs> does this guy have well, for a minute? But he he ends up tr- su- he's kind of like a no. You must uh, you're selling out. On your art, yeah, by becoming a showgirl, yeah. I think they they try to position him that way, but he's just it doesn't like, work. It doesn't work because he's a manipulative stalker who just yeah. wants to fuck her. Yeah, uh, and he has, I quote, a pussy problem. Yes, he literally that is verbatim a line from this film that he says he has. Which kudos to Nomi for saying like I, I'm not your I'm not I I can't deal with your problems. That's not yeah. my job. <laughs> But that she does get a cheeseburger. She does, with them. She does get a cheeseburger. It, it, with it's a really good looking I will say the cheeseburger. Mwah, yeah. That looked very good. Yeah. I would have eaten that cheeseburger. Maybe not with James, but now she also polluted, which was not cool. I, I literally shouted, Don't litter. <laughs> I'm like, are you so, is this character wise supposed to show that you're like a wild chick? I, I don't think know. so. I feel like her entire performance is geared toward just communicating how much of a disaster she is as a person. Because uh-huh. there is not a single moment where she feels relatable or um, she's. She we will feels, talk about her performance because we'll there's we'll, so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll get more in depth um, into that in, uh, in a bit here. Do you want to take a break or do you want to talk about some stats? Um, let's take a break first sure. and then we'll jump into some stats. Do you know what the tomato meter score is for Showgirls? Tomato meter for showgirls. Mm-hmm. I do not. I'm going to guess that it's like a 31. 
Lower. Lower. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my gut instinct was lower, and I didn't listen to it. 21. 23. 23. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, how about the audience score? Audience score. Oh. There's a lot of perverts out there. There are a lot of perverts out there. A lot of perverts. Um, This movie is not a bomb, and it's because of the perverts. I did. I I did read the the Wikipedia a little bit, and I do know that it made all of its money back in video rentals. (laughs) Yes, uh, (laughs) which is very funny. Yes, (laughs) Uh, I think it's the highest. Earning NC seventeen oh, movie has ever. To be. It has to be because <laughs> perverts. Um, oh God. Um, I want to say forty five. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Okay. Okay. I, I I corrected a bit too far, yeah. but well, don't worry. IMDb has your back. This is a four point five. It's a five. It's a it's five. A five out it's of a 10. five. Yeah. What IMDb? What the fuck is I'm... your community's problem? Like, what is happening? So, audience, in a very – after this after this two-part, uh, we're going to do another Guilty Pleasure episode. And yes. I had a little bit of trouble finding a Guilty Pleasure uh, film <laughs> because people – I don't know if it's like a nostalgia thing, but it's hard to find a movie that isn't lower than like a 5.5. You know, actually, I've never – I don't think I've looked mine up on, uh, uh, on IMDb. So I wanted to do – Conan the Destroyer, uh, and I think it's like a five point nine currently. But even the the like movies that I'm like, that's not a good movie. Still pretty high. Yeah, Gamers a five point seven yeah, on IMDb. That, people are so forgiving. I don't get it. <laughs> like, I, like I like this movie. It's a bad yeah. movie. Right. I like that's why it. it's a guilty pleasure. That's why it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. It, mm. I think fascinating. Flintstones, which is mine. Yes, uh, I think is a five. It's like the five or five point two, something like that. Definitely low enough that I can. I feel like, well, at least they're kind of admitting that it's not a very good movie. <laughs> yeah, dead even five. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to pretend it's about all the people that like went to the midnight showing and had a blast. Just gave it like ten out of ten to be a smartass. You know, I would not be surprised if there are some folks out there who did that. That's that's Just... what I'm going with. Yeah, so. I, Verhoeven has mentioned that there is a critical reappraisal of this movie that that has that has happened, and I'm wondering what the fuck he means by that because like I get it with Starship Troopers, I don't with this. <laughs> so, allow me to recommend a movie. Yes, it's called "You Don't Know Me," and it's a documentary that tries to figure out if Showgirls is good or not. Huh? And it is it is a wild ride. Because there are people that fight to on both sides. Like there are people that argue that Verhoeven is a feminist, but also maybe he's a misogynist. But also maybe he's God. just maybe he's just Dutch. That, that, <laughs> honestly, it's probably mostly that. Like he talks about that when talking about Starship Troopers. And my opinion of Verhoeven looked. You ever see those Family Circus comics? Oh yeah, where they have little dots tracking the kid running around the house. Yeah. That was my opinion of Verhoeven throughout that documentary. I'm like, I hate him. I love him. He's just misunderstood. He did what? I, and I, I started the movie and ended the movie the same. Like poetry, I was just like, eh? (laughs) I mean, in general, I think it's a bad idea to put your heroes on a pedestal. Yes. uh, Especially if they're an artist. Yeah. But 
he would not be on my Mount Rushmore of directors that I would want to meet. Interesting. Okay. Like what what are some highlights? Like what like, what are some of the um, what are some of the most noteworthy things that he had done or that were covered about so him? So he's he's not I think the reason we don't hear about him as much as some other directors is he didn't he's not done anything horrible as a human being. Sure. He it's his art that like has moments of questionable taste. Yes. So what I, one of the things I like in the documentary is that it talks about his early work in the Netherlands. Sorry. Yeah. I had a blank for a second. And his first one, his first movie, I forget what it was called. I think it stars a very young Richter Hauer. Oh. Because uh, they worked together for like four movies, four or five movies. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to check some of them out. But it's it's just like a raunchy sex comedy. <laughs> It's hard for me to picture Rutger Hauer in a raunchy sex comedy. Well, the scene the scene they use is just like two. It's like like a um a single mattress on like a squeaky bed, and just two bodies just like having sex, kinda. And then you realize it's Rutger Hauer on top, <laughs> which like I right. all right, sure. It's like pale ass just bouncing on the um it's pale replicant ass. Yeah, yeah. But he is still, I think, the highest grossing filmmaker in the Netherlands among huh. other Dutch directors. Sure. Yeah, um, that's to be expected, I'd imagine. Especially yeah. considering as in the time that he's not been active here, right. he has been making movies in the Netherlands. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, before he went over to the United States. Oh, okay. But that being said, he made this film that basically got him kicked out of the Netherlands. Wait, and that's how he ended up coming over here to make movies? Yeah. That's bonkers. Yeah, not like chased out like a Frankenstein monster, but just like <laughs> we don't really want to fund your movies after having watched that. So, so what was what was the movie? So it was called – I'm going to mispronounce it, but – Sure. Spaters. Spaters? Spaters. Spaters. Uh, and it's basically the, – the plot is basically if you took the first 20, 30 minutes of Clockwork Orange, so it's just the gang being awful – but they, uh, instead of hanging out in cool white suits, uh, they're with like weird cod pieces with weird cod pieces. They wear, they like are bikers. Okay. Which is, I think that's the, the speeders. They're the speeders. Yeah. Okay. But the, it's, it's very homophobic ah. and, uh, very, uh, I mean, this, this episode is going to have content warning. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Um, no. Yeah. If we haven't already, I guess content warnings for, uh, for sexual assault, um, probably yeah. some homophobia, racism, misogyny, who knows? Yeah. It's a bunch of, a bunch of shit. But there's a, there's a pretty graphic, uh, assault scene in Spagers. In, in, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, that, as hmm. well as the homophobia, which like the, you're, much like a Clockwork Orange being another movie that people don't quite understand. Yeah. Um, you're not supposed to like these guys. No. No, um, it's 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 an always sunny situation. Yeah, if they were a gang of roving rapist bikers. Dennis. <laughs> it's an exercise bike. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just somebody like pointed out like there's a lot of assault scenes in his films. Okay, um, yeah, that's an unfortunate trend. Which just speaking on Beethoven, I've I haven't watched a lot of his movies, but I've watched Total Recall, RoboCop, yes, Basic Instinct, Showgirls now, and Starship Troopers. And Starship Troopers. It, but it's been a while since I've watched most of those. Like other than Starship Troopers, which we just covered, right? The rest I watched when I was like 
18 through 20. Yeah. I wanted to rewatch RoboCop coming, going into this. I know you did too, but yeah. not, neither of us had the time to do it, unfortunately. And I didn't have the stomach to rewatch Basic Instinct. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, because he, this movie shares the same writer. Um, They're both Joe Westerhouse. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Which I'm going to save most of that for the part two of the okay. series. Uh, that That is just a very basic analysis of Paul Verhoeven. He's really difficult to kind of nail down. One, he's a satirist, so like yeah. he's always doing things with like his tongue in his cheek, right? That's, that's one of the things that makes it hard to interpret some of the stuff that he's doing in like in moralistic terms, because yeah. he he's making some kind of larger social point with them, or treating or like you know kind of taking the piss out of them a little right. bit, and you know, given difference, you know, depending on the situation and the depiction, uh, and to varying levels of success, let's say, right. I mean, we we just see our last two episodes for confusion on satire. The, there was there, there were two things that I wanted to mention in those episodes, sure. but I was sick, so my brain right. didn't let me recall these two particular pieces of information. So, in terms of like, like you know, there was that review of Starship Troopers where somebody said like, "No, this is literally made by neo Nazis." Like, <laughs> no, you're fucking stupid. That's nonsense. <clears throat> One of the points I wanted to bring up was that. You know, I mentioned that, that he was living in Texas and he had the idea of yes. all the uh, increased uh, state, from, uh, uh, state executions yes. done under George W. Bush. There was there was an interview done with him at some point where one of the interviewers was saying, like, oh, but you weren't saying anything about America being fascist. You were talking about this, 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 and the other thing being fascist. To which Paul Verhoeven leaned into the microphone and just said, I, I was saying America is fascist. <laughs> and then leaned back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some of the times when he talks about these things, he kind of shoots himself in the foot by like yeah. stumbling over his words and like getting his reference mixed up whenever he's taught whenever he's he's talking about the fascism or like the or the the way that the world is built because like he, he, on the one hand, it's like he's talking about the construction of the fascist world mm-hmm. and how that factors into the the uh, the satire. But then when he compares it to the real world, if it, like, he he accidentally makes it sound like he's supporting some of the things that are there. It's like, no, but hold on, you need to clarify that a little bit more. But then right. but then he speaks in such absolute terms of like, no, this is evil, I hate it, and so many other points. It's like yeah. you can't actually say that he's uh, that he supports fascism, but like sometimes there like he'll trip over a word and it feels right. like a gotcha at some point. So like, it, that can under undercut the uh, the perception of the set of the satire a little bit here and there. And, I, th- and I think I can pretty safely say that he is anti-fascism. Yes, it's harder to say. <laughs> I I would not say that he's a feminist. So I, again, I think it com- it boils down to his upbringing and, and the culture yes. in which he grew up in. Because he was I, born in what forty two. He was born in thirty eight. Oh yeah, yeah. So he was starting to form memories <clears throat> in a Nazi o- occupied country, basically. Which we'll talk more about in part two. Yes, but like in terms of sexuality, though, and depictions of sexuality, like sex is a very is a much different thing in media. There, like yes, like we talked about a little bit last episode. Like sex in media is very normal and expected and encouraged, and you know, and depending on you know how how it's being depicted, and violence is the thing that's like taboo and yeah. weird and unacceptable for a lot of people whereas here it's the exact fucking opposite yeah. uh, until you really break down how leery and creepy a lot of the, the the male gaze bullshit is in our media yeah yeah he's he's a he's very interesting person it, it also doesn't help that his opinion has the way he's talked about showgirls has changed okay when showgirls first came out there was actually a a book that he had written to go along with it kind of like a like 
like a primer or like um like a companion okay that's interesting i'd like to track that down good luck it's apparently like a prized item among people who like tacky yeah i'm not surprised um because it he basically has gone on to negate everything that he says in it because the the, the oh. original companion was like, "This is the world that we're taking very seriously, and here's more about the characters and blah 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 blah." And then if you talk to him more currently about it, he he says it was always meant to be a joke and satirical. So I texted you while I was watching this movie, and you didn't you didn't respond to this at the time because it was it was late, and you were probably sleeping, which good. Uh, Probably screaming at the moon. But uh, yeah. Also, you know, that, that has its use as well. Uh, but I, I sent you a message asking, why does this movie feel like a Tommy Wiseau oh, yes. film sometimes? And what you just told me is the most Tommy Wiseau mm-hmm. shit, because he got so mad over the perception of the room as funny until yeah. years later when he started to embrace it and started to say, oh, yeah, no, I always meant it to be funny. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah. No, they that, should hang out. <laughs> I wonder if they're buddies. I that is that's uncanny. That is like literally the same yeah. arc. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, however, has stated bullshit. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like that is bullshit. He's like we all were under the belief that we we're making an incredibly dramatic, hard hitting look at the entertainment industry. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle, for telling the yes, truth. Yeah. I love you, bud. <laughs> the only lie he told was that ass. That was a stunt ass. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't his real ass? Nah. I'm so disappointed yeah, me now. Too. Those had to be his cum gutters. Those though. were, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have the digital <laughs> ability to add those in in post <laughs> in uh, 96. <sighs> let's, let's do oh, some stats. Also, huh? again, I'm going to die on this hill. Absolute cowards not showing any dick in this NC-17 yeah. film. You could have had so much dick. You have all the room in the world I to just put pretty sure dick. I saw a butthole. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw someone's intestines. Like, <laughs> I thought for a second they were going to show a uh, character's name is James, right? Yeah. Because he comes to the door either mid-coitus or post-coitus. Oh, right. Yeah, because um, he's fucking uh, Penny or whatever her name is. Sure. Yeah. Because Nomi's like, I got the part. Goes over to his apartment in the middle of the fucking night, which yeah. I'm like, don't, why, no. Well, it's to be Vegas. fair, they have very, very loose boundaries about when That's anyone true. shows that up anywhere. <laughs> Much like the room. <laughs> Much like the room. They're both Denny in this situation. Fuck. <laughs> in 1996, the 16th Annual Golden Raspberry Awards, <laughs> Showgirls was nominated for 13 Golden Razzies. That's a lot of goddamn Razzies. Uh, I think it held the record for... A good, good minute. Uh, it, yeah, because it, it won like seven of them, right? Six. Six. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it was the most until Battlefield Earth. That sounds about right. Okay. So it obviously won Worst Picture as well as Worst Director. Uh, sure. Paul Verhoeven did accept it in person. Which you told me that and that that gives me so much respect for him. At least like, when it comes to this terrible movie yeah uh i love that he, he was able to own it and go and accept that award Which, in the documentary uh uh-huh. you don't know me they do have that footage oh really yeah oh my god uh, and it's, it's it's cool it's cool i <laughs> he's a good sport about it a, oh yeah i mean i don't think he ever admits it's bad he's just like I think part of it is he did it as a middle finger to the academy <laughs> which i also respect yeah uh, I, I i can get behind that 
Uh, and, and he was the first person to do that. Right. Yeah. He predates ha- uh, Halle Berry doing yeah. it. So it was nominated for worst actor. Kyle McLaughlin was nominated for worst actor. Really? Yeah. I'm uh, a little surprised by that, but okay. He's bad, but he's not. He's not terrible. Bad. Yeah. Uh, Especially, I mean, look at the rest of the cast. But. Well, they're here too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he lost to Polly Shore. In Jury Duty, which is a film I've never heard of, but I'm not surprised. I've heard of Jury Duty, but but I, I'm also I think the only of those like early '90s Pauly Shore movies I've actually seen is Encino Man. Yeah, and most and I mostly watched that because Brendan Fraser. God, did you watch any of the interview between him and um, Adam, Sandler? Adam Sandler? No, I've not seen it yet. <sighs> it's beautiful. I need to watch it's, that. It's really sweet just watching them be buddies. I need an Airheads reunion. Just get fly in Steve Buscemi. Let's (laughs) like they're talking about how Adam Sandler stole Brendan Fraser from Pauly Shore (laughs) because Pauly didn't want to share him in case there was an Encino Man too. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Uh, It's it's a delight. That's Um, amazing. Elizabeth Berkley won Worst Actress. Okay. For Worst Supporting Actor, Uh, there are two nominations. There was, or uh, worst, worst supporting actor. Okay. Um, Tony Moss. What character was that? Tony Moss. He was the. Um, was he the? He was the one who director? was on. He, he was like the show director. He was auditioning her. He he was the one who was like, "I'm erect. Why aren't you erect?" <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I I strongly disagree. Um, <laughs> what did he win? He was nominated. Oh, he's nominated. Um, okay. Alan, Alan Rankins, I'm gonna say. Alan Rankins. Alan Rankins was he? That's that's him. He was Tony Moss. Oh, okay. So I was the actor. Uh, okay. And then the other character was Al Torres. Al Torres. Yeah. Uh, played by Robert Davy. They they both lost to Dennis Hopper in Waterworld, which. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Hopper's character was was fun, yeah. but also terrible. Right, he was, right, yeah, yeah, he was both great and terrible. Okay, so uh, uh, Al Torres, that's Robert Davy. He's he's the, uh, the I won't hire you back even if you oh, give me a blow okay. job. It, it, see, it I, must I be can... weird not having come all over you, guy. <laughs> I can see him being nominated. Yes, he absolutely deserves that nomination. Uh, Tony Moss, I, I disagree. I'm. Uh, I, I'm on the fence on that okay. one. Well, it doesn't matter because Dennis, he, yeah, he, not, he earned it. Yeah. Uh, and how. We're supporting actress. Um, Gina Gershon was nominated for Crystal. I kind of get that. And fuck you. They nominated uh, Lynn Tucci. No. As, yeah. Henrietta no. Mama Bazoom. Yeah. Um, they both lost to, and this is really weird too. Uh, Madonna in Four Rooms. Okay, to be fair, the the Razzies loves to hate Madonna. Okay, like, so that's a very, it's like very there, small part. There are two act. There are two actors in history that I know they have just had it out for for a long, 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 long time, and it's Sylvester Stallone and Madonna. They fucking shit on them every opportunity they get. Okay, I mean, in, in general, I, I like Four Rooms. I'm not familiar with it, um, um, but uh, and th- I think this might just be the first time we've come across a Madonna nomination in the year, because of what years we've sure, done up yeah, to this yeah. point. We're going to run into a lot more. Okay. 
Like I, I, I remember as we were starting research of like, let's even just look at the history of the Razzies. Mm-hmm. There is a point where there's like, it was like worst actress of the century or whatever. Gotcha. And it okay. was Madonna. <laughs> worst remake or sequel, uh, the Scarlet Letter was one. I, I have, I, I mostly hate that book. So yeah, that's fine. I like the idea of the book. I. I like anything that remind or that uh, that takes Nathaniel Hawthorne down a peg. <laughs> so, I think we've talked about <laughs> our our disagreement on Nathaniel Hawthorne. I hate him. I can't stand <laughs> Nathaniel Hawthorne. I don't. I I've never met the guy, but I I like the content that he covers. I I you know I, I started to turn around on him in grad school when I was reading the Blythdale Romance, and then I got to okay. the end of the Blythdale Romance, and I wanted to throw okay. the book across the room. I was so mad. <laughs> So anyway, um, anyway. <laughs> Showgirls was nominated because it is, they say remake. I don't uh, know that it's a remake. I would say that it what are they saying? It's a remake borrows of? heavily from the film All About Eve, which I will talk about. Okay. And also The Lonely Lady, which I, I'm not familiar with. I've never heard of that. All About Eve I've at least heard about. Yeah, yeah, that. I think and, it won like best picture. And it's pretty well known. Just to be clear, no, I do not know about this because of the Sandra Bullock vehicle all about Steve. I've never heard of it, but uh, it's one of the worst movies. We might end up covering it at some point. It's really fucking <laughs> nice. bad. I'll have to rewatch all about Eve again. Um, Showgirls won worst screenplay for Joe Esther Hounds. Uh, it also won worst new actor for Elizabeth Berkeley. So that's two for her. Oh wow. And it won worst original song. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read the what they wrote, titled "Walk into the Wind," also known as "Love Theme from the Rape Scene," from Showgirls, written by David A. Stewart and Terry Hall. It's a really really bad song. Yeah, it, it did not leave much of an impression on me, but I did not enjoy that music. No. No, especially considering there was a scene where uh, uh, I'm Afraid of Americans by David Bowie and Trent Reznor was playing. <laughs> like there there There's, were some good there was right, some good no, no. music in the, the soundtrack. The whole, the whole soundtrack's not bad. It's just a lot of the music they use for the show is it's not even bad. It's just like goofy. Yeah. And then there's the song they made for the movie, which is bad, which is bad, which is just bad. So let's take a break and then we'll come back and do some critiquing. OK, sounds good. Welcome to Making a Martini, up, dry, and straight to the point. I am the host, Caleb Viggles, accompanied by my CFO, Scooter, who is my dog. And together, we are bringing you the podcast education you never knew you needed. Sometimes more than you get in our own country's actual education system. Do the children of today learn about sex, Shakespeare, and race in school? I mean, maybe, but I sure didn't, and look what happened to me. I started a podcast. And is this really what you want for your children? No, it's fucking not. But I can guarantee that the children in school today don't learn about the Alien franchise, why Grease 2 is better than Grease, and certainly not the joys of Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, which you will learn here. And if you came here thinking this is going to be a podcast on how to make martinis and whatnot, well, you're almost right, because we are making cocktails cocktails for all occasions including the classic dirty vodka martini the pride teeny and the bro knee and more typically accompanied by a knowledgeable guest 
or at least someone who I think is knowledgeable and entertaining. And hey, you might think so too. I mean, what more could anyone with a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for vodka-based drinks want in their life? So join me with our bi-weekly themed cocktail as we take on numerous practical and crazy topics, have a laugh, and get straight to the point. I'm practically drunk just thinking about it. Make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and remember, please drink responsibly. Cheers. Man, welcome back. I am I am excited to critique this. This is probably the thing, I, at least for part one, that I'm most excited to talk about. Hell yeah. Because most of the movies, maybe all of the movies that we've covered so far, they were made by people that either were just like fucking around or more likely the case, they wanted to make money. Sure. Uh, whereas this movie, Paul Verhoeven, he had a plan. He wanted to do a thing. He he wanted to make a piece of art. He failed, in my opinion. Agreed. But the movie doesn't work because he didn't give a fuck. He gave a fuck. He did. He gave too many fucks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the cast. Okay. We'll start about with who worked. There are two actors in this that I, I, we've, I think we've already mentioned him that I really, really like. So uh, Madame Tucci. I think Lynn Tucci. Lynn Tucci, yes. Uh, who apparently is in Oranges, the New Black. I've never watched the show, but I guess she's in it for a little bit. Huh. If you look at her without that. her, I mean, she basically looks like a drag queen in the in the movie, so it's kind of hard to tell what she actually looks yeah, like. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Um, <laughs> God, I loved her. But she was great. She she plays Henrietta Mama Bazoom. Bazoom. Um, she looks like Divine. <laughs> and whenever she like shoots a zinger, she'll kind of like. Yeah, she like had a chicken she dance had, thing. Yeah, she had like a like a like a pump that she would squeeze. Yeah. It would cause her her uh, her her bust to just pop open and flash yeah. everybody and pop right back up. But uh, Nomi was the only person who was yeah. ever able to get it to work correctly. Right, apparently. right. Yeah, no, she 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 was great. I, I think I thought she was a lot of fun. She she really leaned into into the uh, like the goofiness and uh, and the crassness of it. I think. Well, I think she did something that a lot of the other actors couldn't, which is embrace the. Heightened reality, goof goofball <laughs> shtick of this movie, but yes. also be able to bring it back down to have those quiet moments. Yeah, which takes a a pretty good actor to do that. It does. Like whenever she's Nomi comes in and she's like, "I'm quitting. I'm I'm going." And she's like, "Nah, fuck you," or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then um, and she pulls her aside and she's like, "Nobody's ever yeah. able to. No one's ever able to get yeah. him to work right." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like she, like there's an earnest kind of like a like a bittersweet sadness yes, there. Yeah, uh, and like you know that she was the one that was like, "Let's go visit Nomi." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's no fucking way that the that the cum guy, that the blowjob guy, was gonna <laughs> gonna volunteer to do that. My, I might like this actor or this this character. I might like this character more, and that's the character of uh, Marty Jacobson, played by Patrick Bristow. And this is the guy that red hair. Uh, I think he's like oh, a stage manager type right. character. Yes, he's famously known in the midnight showings of it. Was it higher? So he's like smacking your ass, like 
thrust, thrust, thrust. Higher. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like like a, a gay stage managing drill uh, drill instructor. Yeah. Just with the intensity with which he is coaching and critiquing in the in the moment. Just like right in your face screaming at what you yeah. what you need to do and then coming up afterward with like here's some legitimate concerns right. that I have. By the way, you're performing tonight. <laughs> it's uh, so I know the kind of chain of command for either touring shows or shows that have been running for a while is different than what I'm used to. Sure. And this is like a, a, like a, like a long established show at this hotel, it seems. Yeah. Or if it's not, it's like the launch of what is meant to be a long standing show. Sure. Sure. Um, Or at the very least, it's been going on for a little while now. It it might not be super old, but it's certainly not brand new at this point. Like there's, there's, it's known. So like, in in a theatrical production in the style that I'm used to, you have like a director who does all the interactions with the performers, yeah. um, unless you're doing choreography, and then you you know the they're in charge of the dance. But the stage manager is never really giving is never really giving direction. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas I know with touring shows, the director normally does his direction, and then he's out, like mm-hmm. he's done. So it would fall to somebody like a stage manager to give notes. Hmm. Uh, so what this guy does, no idea, but he did it really well. I, <laughs> if they, if you told me he, that's just him, that's what he does. And they just like told that guy to stay, stand in, I would believe it. But I think I, I saw elsewhere that he does a bunch of like super flamboyant type characters. Okay. Um, I also didn't mind Molly's performance. I feel like she uh, I was did, trapped in hell. But I yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, that I Gina think that, Rivera, Riviera. Gina Rivera. Yeah, yeah. yeah she. I, I think she. She got kind of a bum deal with uh, with this situation. Just like she like she performed admirably. I think she was a solid foil to Nomi. Mm-hmm. In a, in a number of ways, and I and uh, yeah, I I. I I wish that we had gotten more from her, especially after what is what happens to yeah. her. She like, she already has her bodily auto- autonomy taken from her. Yeah. She also is completely silent from for for the rest of the film at that point. I don't know if she quite fits the definition of being fridged. No, I can't, I don't think we can go that far because she does live. That's yeah. But her, what happens to her is done specifically so that Nomi's character can advance. Yes gross you can you can see her character in scenes with nomi trying to pull pull really ground the situation yeah she it, she she does try like you can tell but you know different places yeah <laughs> just anyway uh so as far as the story goes i don't have a problem with the story's skeleton as far as like the individual plot beats the uh, of I... the main arc Yes. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction there just because as we've established a little bit already there's there's some there's uh there's some cruft around <laughs> around that skeleton that we can yeah. do without. But yeah, no, I think like the the main structure of like girl goes to Vegas to be uh, to start mm-hmm. anew and become a dancer yeah. has to work through this horrible exploitative system and eventually gets chewed up and spat out by it or or the people around her are and then she strikes back and leaves yeah so what you describe is very similar to all about eve fascinating yeah okay so the way I have it written is skeleton's good, but it was also a stolen skeleton. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Joe Westerhouse is a grave robber. Yeah. 
God, I can't wait to talk about that guy. Um, <laughs> I think if I read... No, the dialogue's still pretty stupid. Uh, I was going to say, like, if I read it the script really without is. the performance, but, like, no, the dialogue... They talk about eating dog food. The dog food conversation goes on entirely too long. <laughs> I missed the first time around, but the second time, there's something to do with, like, chimps and garlic and shitting on stage. <laughs> And what were these? Ch- I, did you lose your mind over the chimps? Like I, my, I, I like, almost broke my jaw. It was, it dropped so far. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're just letting these chimps run all, run around all over the place. Like they do mention it earlier in the film. I missed it the first time. There's something about like, oh, it reeks in here. It's like, oh, it's all that garlic and chimps. The chimps like they the do mention it like, like real quick early on. Um, and then it, it comes back around to, oh, it's upper stage left to, r- to right. monkey shit. <laughs> just. <laughs> which like that feels like show business <laughs> yeah uh, honestly yeah like uh, oh, we're not gonna clean this up now There's no that might have right. just been something that happened and they're like just keep the camera rolling yeah <laughs> uh, just the from what i read the dancers were were pretty comfortable with the nudity doing their scenes whatever but when the chimps came on set that's when everybody was like i don't feel good which you know what nope <laughs> if only nope had come out a good 25 years <laughs> <Right>. earlier <laughs> woof um so yeah like the the overall structure of the movie i don't have a problem with the execution many problems many problems um, yes this is also the first time i think i've ever watched a movie that addressed period sex I mean, I'm, yeah. sh- I'm sure that I've seen I, something, but... I will say, that was, like, the one moment where Be- where both Becca and I were like, oh, okay, James did a good thing, where he's or he's not grossed out about the idea of having sex on oh. on a woman's period. No, Just like, like, I got towels. I got towels. Like, yes, correct answer. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Not, yeah. <laughs> you what? <laughs> no, I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever seen that reaction in a, in a movie before. No, I'm pretty sure I haven't, actually. Um, so, If like, you've watched a movie with period sex... Please email us at um, <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, not porn doesn't count. Porn doesn't count. Themes. Hmm. The theme of this movie is the corruption. The stated theme of this movie. <laughs> That's uh, yes. <laughs> that that word's doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> is to deal with the corruption of the entertainment industry. Yes. Do I like that theme? Yes. Yes. And there is one scene specifically that I is like, the boat scene. Oh, yeah, that's that. But like the end of that issue where Mm -hmm. Kyle McLaughlin calls up Phil. Yeah. And is like, Phil, you you dumb bitch. Come back up here. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was a great moment. And I don't want to laugh, but I am laughing. But I also feel disgusting. It's I mean, it's mostly just like like I'm laughing at I'm laughing at Kyle McLaughlin's delivery in that moment because he does deliver it funny. But no, like situationally, like it is it's fucked up. Yeah. Because he, he he goes to great lengths to make it seem like he cares about Nomi's feelings yes. and what Nomi went through in that situation. And no, he d- did not give a fuck. No. Overall, didn't really hit it. But anyway, uh, so what didn't work? Um, oh, my bad. I skipped over the production, production. itself. That I mean, the... The the sets I think were uh, very well appointed for what they needed to be like that the 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 cheetah felt I did like the very cheetah. gross and seedy and yeah. it could have been a little grimier but I get it it could have been a little grimier I do imagine that guy that walked up and was like I want to see your ass it was just a guy who was there it wasn't actually like a, an extra or anything they just couldn't get him to stop doing that 
It's like, just keep it. <laughs> just, it's too much work that I have. Keep the shots and move on. The the actors that they had in that scene were really <laughs> well cast. <laughs> Every single one of those guys seemed like they spent a lot of time in places like yeah. Cheetah. What a place. Um, I, I <laughs> excluding, if you exclude Nomi's dancing, I really did like the big dance numbers. The actual, yeah, the actual performances within Goddess, I think, were good, with the the exception of the fixation on Nomi herself, and um, the one, and the weird, like, biker sequence where... (laughs) It was interesting. Yeah, where it was, like, the onstage kind of direct clash between Nomi and and Crystal. Like, that was, that that was not well executed, I think, but... You don't fight dance? I mean, not anymore. Not anymore. I, no, I I got banned from Capoeira a long time ago. Man. I don't want to talk. I, I don't. I look. I can't, can't. We can't talk about this again. All right. The NSA is listening. We can't let Gary know about this. Okay. I know he he's been listening in quiet for all these episodes. But an excellent dance fighter. <laughs> he's a really good dance fighter. He'll, he'll come for me. So, uh, what what didn't work for Showgirls? <laughs> Pretty much all of the lead all, all the lead characters do not mm-hmm. work. Uh, Nomi is such an over-the-top mess that she's not relatable or believable. Zach, Kyle McLaughlin's yeah. character, is uh, just a walking example of why I don't trust people who are like, yeah, I got an MBA. <laughs> or a walking cartoon of that, I, I also think say. he was miscast. He was miscast. I agree. I agree with that. Crystal was... I went back and forth on her, I, to be honest. She's confounding, honestly. Like, her motivations are so muddled. And this is what cleared it up for me. I was trying to save this for the next part. Uh-huh. But so in All About Eve, which this movie heavily borrows from. Yes. The Nomi analog is not the protagonist of All About Eve. It's the crystal. Interesting. Yeah. So it's the older actress who's the the main character, the main focus. And being kind of deposed by the younger actress. Correct. Okay. Famously played by Betty Davis. Oh. And I think there's so much for that character to chew on that when they took the movie over and flipped it over to Showgirls, she still has all the juicy motivations. But now she's the secondary character. Like yeah. The antagonist. Hmm. Not that I think you couldn't flip-flop who you're focusing on, but I think think that there's a reason that all about Eve focuses on the older actress. Well, I think like the way that they, f- the way that they work crystal in this, like they go out of their way to like have Zach, like kind of poke at her at, like after he's fucked Nomi, he, yeah. he, he, he kind of jabs her. Like, are you just mad that I got there first? Like kind of yeah. just highlighting this, like, okay, is she like on a power trip where she's trying to lord it over her underling? Yeah. Or is she actually like, or is she also trying to like neg this woman into a relationship, like everyone else the fuck around her? That's that's another thing that's confusing, uh, because in All About Eve, there is a lot of, I mean, this movie was made, I think, in the f- either like er- late forties or early fifties. Okay, there's a lot of subtle queer stuff because it, you know, the time period. Sure, sure. And I wonder if Verhoeven was like, okay, we're going to take all of that right. stuff that we had to do subtly, and, and we're going to amp it up, amp it up. To hmm. 12. <laughs> um, yep. That's which like, I don't have a problem with that, but you have so much going on in this movie already that to also have that either just have that and get rid of some of the other shit. Yep. Or I don't know, get a 
writer that can spin those plates? I think that's probably uh, the the more apt thing there because <laughs> I don't think I, I given I'm not I'm not terribly familiar with Joe Esterhaus's work overall, but like this ain't it, man. <laughs> I will say that because of Basic Instinct, they were basically allowed to do whatever they wanted. Huh. The movie did well enough and was received well enough. Which is interesting because I feel like it. I feel like that that movie came, became kind of a punchline after after so many years mm-hmm. as well. Because it's sleazy, it's, yeah, as fuck. It's cheesy and horny, yeah. Which the nineties kind of were, kind of were, yeah. And yeah, I mean, like I had not watched the movie until I think I moved to Pittsburgh, so maybe like ten years ago. Sure. So I didn't have any attachment to it when I watched it. I was like, this is cheesy as hell, and I'm not really enjoying it. Uh, but Fair. people who like um, Rob was mm-hmm. the one who's like, "Hey, let's sit down and watch this. Like, it's no argument. You're gonna like it." But he had watched it when it was first released, or it's, around uh, then. Rob, who was a part of our cats episode, correct? Yes. And he's like, "It's real hot." I'm like, <laughs> "Didn't didn't do it for me." <laughs> <laughs> Where's that three boobed woman from Total Recall? <laughs> That's more my speed. That's... <laughs> so, I, I, as far as the performances go, I do want to really quickly point out two things one paul verhoven takes full credit for pushing elizabeth berkeley to be that dramatic i'm not surprised that honestly that was one of the first thoughts that i had especially knowing in the back of my mind the lengths that he went to with trying to push reactions out of the cast of starship troopers so obviously she's trying to pole dance and he's roaring at her with a broom in his hand (laughs) there's some in the documentary there's some video of early dance practices mm-hmm. like they're in like a dance hall or something okay and watching him kind of like say what kind of dance stuff he wants is <laughs> hilarious um <laughs> because does he like not know any actual dance terminology so he's just shouting out oh, like i need you to do the kicky thing well he's just doing it oh he's just oh so he's yeah. just doing it and yeah goes, like this come on yeah like me. yeah but he's talking to the dance instructor Oh, okay. So, oh, so he's using the dance instructor as a translator. So he does a silly thing. Yeah. The translator, the da- the dance instructor goes, okay, I, I know how to handle this. Right. And conveys that to well, Elizabeth. Here's my theory, right? So I, I see him do and describe that he wants very sharp, snappy movements. Yeah. Which you see in the film. When you see that out of the, I guess for lack of a better word, the extras, that are dancing mm-hmm. it it's not as jarring sure but i'm assuming they are professional dancers that have probably taken modern dance or Whereas, abstract and, and you can work his direction into a workable dance. Whereas Elizabeth Berkeley, I don't believe is. She did. Oh, she did have dance training, but it wasn't her focus. Ah, okay. I mean, still, she had, if she had some of the training then, I mean, I think that's, that probably helped her to be able to get the part at all. Sure. But probably wasn't enough to help her translate his direction into not being goofy as hell. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, as I, I was, I was watching this with uh, Becca who might, my, my partner who was on our uh, uh, mommy dearest episode mm-hmm. and she did competitive dance through uh, as a like kid and a teenager and like, her, all her, all of her sisters did as well. So like she, she knows a thing or two about that. And given this realm of dance is a little different, sure. a little more a little more risque, let's say, uh, but still, like some of the principles of just body movements are the same, and like yeah. the shit she does with her arms 
everywhere <laughs> is so bewildering. I, I mean, I know Dick all about dancing. Same. But I'm looking at a stage of 20 people and there's one person that looks like a dumbass and it's Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, she's the, the one person who looks as though she's the living embodiment of Adderall. Just, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, she was on Dancing for the Stars with the Stars. With the Stars, yeah. Because she she identifies as a dancer. Okay. Um, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like I feel bad kind of shitting on that on yeah. her performance though like <laughs> because it because it's not good it's it's so it's, it's like spastic and uh, like I think this this was her going from Saved by the Bell which was a big goofy sitcom yeah to this what was kind of sort of supposed to be a hard hitting drama <clears throat> one she doesn't she's not. We'll get to some of the other actresses that were up for the role. Okay. She doesn't have the weight to carry this lead. Sure. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, that, that that is a hell of a tone shift for an oh actress, too. Yeah. Like, to be known for Saved by the Bell for as long as she had been at that point. Especially that character. Especially that character. To jump into this, where it's all sleaze and nudity and horrible situations, that's a lot. So who yes. who else was considered for this role? Because I, I have the people that were considered for Nomi and the people that were considered for Crystal. Okay. So other actresses that were considered for Nomi include Pamela Anderson. Okay. Drew Barrymore was highly considered. That's a weird choice too. I feel yeah. like I feel like you're running right into the same issue that Elizabeth Berkeley actually had here. Like just a very young actress kind of going from being like a literally a child actor yeah. for in her case i think if they were considering drew barrymore they might have been thinking a little closer to the all about eve analog because eve in in the film uh is a more innocent or she comes across as a more innocent character okay eve which I could I could see Eve being Drew Barrymore. If they were going like, to remake it for whatever reason, I could see her being cast in it. Okay. But I, I think she was considered enough to the point when not Nomi is cast in the movie. Mm. And she takes over the makeup spot. They take down the name Drew. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. That's, wow. I only know it because they pointed out in the documentary. Huh. Uh, other people were Angelina Jolie, which I think actually probably would have been a Really good choice. She probably would have been a good choice, yeah. I'm not familiar with uh, Vanessa Marcel. Me neither, um, I don't think. Jenny McCarthy. Okay. Denise Richards. Okay. Which makes sense, considering yeah. what he, he cast her in his next movie. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Uh, the, hmm. There's an, alternate, there's an alternate universe out there right. where Denise Richards was cast in this and Elizabeth Berkley was cast in Starship Troopers. And I'm not sh- I think I hate that. <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel about it. Yeah. It's an alternate universe. We don't have to worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's their problem. Uh, and then uh, lastly, Charlize Theron, which I think also, hmm. she was very young at the time, though. Yeah, she would have been. Not that I would. I, I think she probably could have pulled it off. Um, I mean, with her with her acting chops. Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, other actresses considered for Crystal were Madonna, <laughs> uh, Sharon Stone. 
Okay. Sean Young, hmm. who I just saw a video today of her reading for Raiders of the Lost Ark alongside Tom Selleck, and it is fucking weird. God, no. <laughs> oh, my brain. Well, Tom Selleck was cast as Indiana Jones. Really? Mm-hmm. What the fuck happened there? Uh, Magnum P.I. stepped in. Oh, thank God. They stepped That's... in, and they're like, he, we, we just cast him to be the lead of our show. Yeah. Um, we need him to shoot the pilot. So they went with Harrison Ford. And the the weird thing is that, and, and in, a, in a good way, I guess, I mean, it sucks for Tom Selleck. It does suck for Tom Selleck, but also I, I can't picture him in that role. It would have been a different tone. Oh, very. Yeah. Um, there was a, a writer's strike or something that occurred. Oh. So they actually couldn't shoot the pilot anyway, so he could have done Oh, the my movie. God. Yeah. Oh, that sucks so much for Tom Selleck. Holy yeah. shit. Man, I, I would like to look up a list of movies that Sean Young almost was cast in and then just, like, <laughs> didn't happen. Because I think she was supposed to be in both Batman and – I think definitely Batman. I think she wanted to be in Batman Returns. Fascinating. Um, okay. Also Daryl Hannah, which I think she would have done a She probably would have done a good job. job. I, it's hard for me to imagine her playing that kind of, like, sadistic actress at that point in her I, I suppose that's fair. but And then – Vanilla Hughes? I'm not familiar. Either. Uh, so those, those were the other options. Mm-hmm. Any any other actors you'd like to talk about? James. I uh, just uh, James is a character more oh, so. Okay. Like, okay. So let's hop down to story. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point to hop down to story because I, I don't want I don't really want to shit on that actor specifically no, for the lines he had on page. He did fine. I think yeah. Like, like, like the line deliveries were believable. It, like the performance wasn't the problem with him. It's, I, Sorry, one second. There's one point I want to bring up with Elizabeth Berkeley. Oh, sure. So her entire performance is basically turned up to 12. Yeah. And everybody else is like most of the time seven or eight. Sure. There was this famous comic book incident in universe where Hank Pym, Henry Pym, <laughs> slaps – the Wasp. Now, for you movie people only familiar with the movies, I'm talking about the Kirk Douglas. Kirk, Kirk, Michael Douglas. Michael, Michael yeah, not not his dad. <laughs> yes, God, the, the 140 year old <laughs> Hank Pym. <laughs> Weird, Mike Michael Douglas, not that one. Um, or that one specifically. So the original Ant Man was Hank Pym. Yeah, and uh, Janet was the original Wasp. Uh, well, one point. The, they're both the Avengers, and Hank has a role back. He gets kicked out of the Avengers. Right. Because he fucked up. And the Wasp goes to console him, and he slaps her. Okay. And it's in Avengers 2.13. And it's considered a turning point for that character. A lot of people don't like him as a character anymore, to the point where I think in the Ultimates universe, he's killed off. Holy shit. Um I mean, they make him even more despicable in that because it was written by Mark Millar. And we won't get into that or we'll be here for six hours. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, but the reason that that happened was in the script, it was written as he pushed, he like goes to push her away and knocks her over, which is not good. No. But it's also not like, it's not, it's also not smacking uh, her across the room. Right. The artist was Bob Hall. Great. Good, good Silver Age artist. He was taught by John uh, Bushima, Bushina, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he's okay. he's a, in the comic book world, very well known. Oh, okay. Him and his brother. He taught Bob 
and he thought Bob always go for the biggest action. Oh, so he reinterpreted that that visual as a yeah. slap because yeah. it's the bigger action. Yes. Huh. So Elizabeth Berkeley's performance to me feels like John came over to her and was like, always, always go take, for the biggest always, action. Always go for the biggest action. Yeah. And she got Ant-Man killed. <laughs> it's a long way to go for that joke. <laughs> uh, I've, I've always just found that moment in comic book history really interesting. That It is fascinating. He, he's not. It, it's the same thing like Kirby would have done. Jack Kirby, not the slap, but like he would have gone with the biggest visual. Right. Uh, movement. The bigger pop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it destroyed that character. That's wild. Who was a founding member of the Avengers. Yeah. That's yeah. astounding. Wonder how they're going to recreate that in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't wait for him to... Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So the, char- so the character of James, I feel like they want us to root for this relationship yeah. for some reason. And I can't. There is nothing redeeming about their connection at any point. There's nothing that makes any sense about them being together. He claims to have written this this dance number for her, even though like it's yeah. a real stalkery. It's just another extension of his fucking stalker behavior going into uh, them starting to connect more. And then, he, and then his entire career is basically derailed because he gets the other girl pregnant. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, because she goes to see like, like somebody leaves the flyer for the, yeah. his performance on the um on her on her dressing stand, and she goes to check it out, and they get booed off the stage, and then he she goes yeah. to catch up with James and find you know and Nomi finds out that he got Penny pregnant, and they're <sighs> they're gonna get married, and he's gonna work in a grocery store. It's like you so you have not only. Gone out of your way to like crush this person's dreams yeah. after making them a creepy, weird stalker guy. Yeah. But you've also you've done all these things to the one black male character in the entire fucking movie. Yeah, like you have you have gone out of your way to depict him as like both dangerous and incapable. Yeah, it's so infuriating. And then similarly. Uh, you know, as we were mentioning, like, you know, Molly mm-hmm. is horrifically sexually assaulted. Yeah, it's really bad. She's one of only a small handful of black women in the movie. And not that the other black woman's. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> and and after she is then assaulted, she's just unconscious in a hospital bed for the mm-hmm. entire rest of it. She never speaks another word. She's never, like, she's not heard from again, basically. Yeah. Like, like you said, like, she's only there, like, she's only there at that point for the for the the benefit of Nomi's character. Yeah. And that's fucked up. That's <laughs> deeply fucked up. And then, like, the only other prominent black woman we see, I forget the character's name, but she was one of the other dancers mm-hmm. in Goddess. We see, like, she has a, a I think reasonable reaction to a bunch of kids hanging out in this in this yeah. uh this this in this uh very adult environment. Where's where, the fucking stage manager? Where was the stage manager pissed. at that point? Seriously. Like they like 
given this woman has a right to see her kids right. and whatnot, but like, don't bring them back into that particular environment, especially when no. there are chimps running around. There are dangerous animals that are going to rip your children's faces off yeah. back there. And you're worried about this other woman telling them to shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the the film the story's treatment of black people is terrible is what I'm trying to say the only other movie Ver, Verhoeven movie that I've watched recently is Starship Troopers which also doesn't have a great record with people of color no I don't know if that's a running thing with him or not I I want to say it's not I don't remember it being an issue in Robocop but it's also been a while since I've watched Robocop yeah Paul. yeah which I don't know I I I'm torn who to blame more. And on like, like, do you blame the casting directors? Do you blame Verhoeven? Hmm. Do you blame Esterhaus? Like, who, where? Well, if I'm ignoring the movie for when it came out, if I'm ignoring the culture for when it came out, and I'm trying to just make a movie that better represents the world that we live in, Mm. I think that James has a storyline that could work on with a more skilled. Well, the more skilled writer. writer. Yeah. Because I, I like the idea of having a character stand there and, and say like, oh, you are a dancer. You identify as a dancer. You want to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Well, then be a dancer. Yeah. I don't like the way he shits on strippers. He, yeah. No, he is um, un- unnecessary, uh, like, uh, stigma towards sex workers. Yeah. Uh, there's his weird, uh, uh, as he as he says, pussy problem. Which again is a yeah. weird, is a real fucking wild choice to have the one black man in this entire movie s- express because literally everyone in the movie apparently has a, a say pus- problem. Yeah, uh, just seriously, yeah. Just, like look at Kyle McLaughlin's character. Look at look at everybody. But but, but James is the only one that has enough self awareness. I guess <laughs> to, to just put it into words. Yeah, and, but even in. Among my fellow theater people, like there's jobs that are like, oh, this is a job in the art side of theater versus the commercial side. Yeah, I mean, shit. Even for ramming speed, we we did art versus we did. Commercial. We literally shot a commercial. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Um, so I think James has a very, or could be written to have a very strong like art only mindset. Sure, uh, but but they didn't do that very no, very no. well. Like I think there's there's like the beginnings of that. There's the surface levels of yeah. that, but it's also mired in all this other problematic bullshit for no good reason. It's they didn't have to make him a a bouncer that met her by harassing her. Yeah, they could have developed a relationship there, even if it was. And it didn't have to be a romantic one. No, it could have been. It could have been that she had. An actual romantic, meaningful relationship with him that she chose to go the other direction with Kyle McLaughlin in order to further her career. That would have been more interesting to me. But I don't know. Uh, I mean, I do know a little bit about what Joe Esterhaus was was going through at the time. But he, he did not handle the he didn't handle it. I don't know. I was gonna say like he didn't handle the people of color characters very well, but he didn't really handle any of the characters. He really very well. didn't handle um, any of them well. Yeah, it's just it's just a it little bit more fortunate. It's a little glaring. Yes, there. I'm just glad that it was a very white person who was cast as Andrew Carver. Yeah, the and whitest, the the absolute whitest. Yes. So now that we're at that scene, I want to read a quote from Joe Esterhaus uh, from an interview that he did um, with Sharon Waxman for the Washington Post in an article titled Sleazy Writer that came out in 1997. Wow. Yeah. It's just straight out titled Sleazy Writer. Yeah. 
It's a it's a pretty interesting. I'd talk more about it in part two. But, sure, um, but, but yeah, let's give give us a taste here. Quote: Look, clearly we made mistakes. He says about Showgirls, a remarkable shift from his attitude of two years ago, which would have been when the movie came out. Sure. Clearly, it was one of the biggest failures of our time. It failed commercially, critically. It failed on videotape. Walls. Wall. That one did not bear out, sir. Uh, it Again, failed. there's a lot of perverts. Just give it a minute. You're just fine financially. <laughs> um, it failed internationally. In retrospect, part of it was Paul and I were coming off of basic, basic instinct. Yes. Which defied the critics and was a huge success. Sure. Maybe there was a certain hubris involved. We can do what we can do. Uh, what we want to do, go as far as we want. He slips on a pair of black sunglasses and reaches for another cigarette. He's a chain smoker. Of course. Yeah. That rape scene was God was a god-awful mistake. In retrospect, it was a terrible mistake. And musically, it was imminently forgettable. And casting mistakes were made. Okay, so he openly acknowledges that the rape scene was a yes. horrible thing to do. Yeah. Okay. I, I, kudos for coming to the correct conclusion yeah. on that, on that yeah. particular point. It's, it's still there. Though. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, it still exists. We all still have to watch that. This, what an interesting move though, to like stop for a moment, don sunglasses to like kind of shield yourself in that moment. Yeah. Like. Light up another sig. Yeah. Like, fast. what a yeah, fascinating. He will th- only get more fascinating. Too. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to learn more. I we could talk about the we could critique this movie for days. Um, <laughs> let's let's go stop here. Okay, uh, and ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a movie that's actually choked you up in the, uh, at the, <laughs> on this question. Does it deserve its accolades? Yeah. Oh my god. I, oh yes. my god. Yes. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it came out the same year as Waterworld, and it still is like, no, this is obviously the worst. Yeah. The, the worst movie of the two. I still think about Waterworld sometimes and, like, how, how much I actually enjoyed a good deal of it. But I like that he drinks his MP. <laughs> what a way to open a movie. What a, yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird is I actually really like the opening of this movie. Yes. The yeah, opening I, shot, I love the opening I, shot. I was, I was actually really taken with that opening mm-hmm. shot. Like That was a, a gorgeous piece of cinematography. Thank you, Joseph Akino, uh, Nudist <laughs> Colony. Uh, was that him again? That was him again, yes. You know, I was just about to say, like, I really, the, the movie was horrible, but I was never bored. I, you know what? I agree with that. I was certainly never bored at any point of this film. And it was... It, it, was, it was hard to watch at times. Yes. It was a lot. It was a mess, but it was not. It was never boring. The camera moved so much. Thank it God. Really, yeah. It moved was, so it, much. It, oh, my God. Could you imagine if this was on sticks the entire fucking time? The, there's one scene in the movie that is on sticks that drove me crazy, and mm. it's the when they're they're eating and talking about dog food. Oh, God. It's just, yeah. it's just over the shoulder, which makes sense. It's just a talking sure, scene. Sure, yeah. Uh, but you go from this like very dynamic, active camera to just like over the shoulder shot, especially considering that's supposed to be like a big like power struggle moment between yeah. the two of them, where like they're like the dynamic of their relationship is like maybe changing mm. a little bit or they being do... misled a little bit there. But I forgot in the documentary, there's this one part where they're talking about that scene mm-hmm. and they're talking about how they're framing Crystal on I think the right and they're framing Nomi on the left. They break the one. They break rule. the one eighty rule at one point. They do. Um, to show the switch, the power switch. Yeah. And I was like, 
I missed it because I was thinking about eating dog food. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, I think my brain was a little too fixated on the uh, on the puppy chow yeah. the conversation there. But but actually, yeah, and like, that was a, that was like a good breaking yeah. of the one eighty. No, I like it because. Like, Usually, whenever people do that, an alarm glows uh, goes off in my head. Right. Like there's clacks yeah. on. It's like bad. No, you <laughs> fucked up. Because usually, it's a pretty easy thing to identify when it's done poorly. But like, yeah, that was actually a good thing. Yeah, I don't want to take the time to explain the 180 roll. That's for another day. Google's free. You guys, yeah. you, I'm, hey, if you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you guys know what the 180 <laughs> roll is. I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna, I'm right. gonna have, I'm gonna have faith in the audience for a second. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell those lovely fans of ours where they can? You know, I would love to do that. Uh, thank you all for uh, joining us here for part one of Showgirls. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed this so far and will join us for part two next week. If you have not already, please follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Derazzled Podcast, on Instagram at Derazzled underscore podcast, on Twitter at Derazzled Pod, because uh, it hasn't burned to the ground just yet, on TikTok at Derazzled underscore podcast, I believe. Yes. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, of course, you can email us at derazzledpodcast at gmail.com if you want to uh, suggest things you'd like to see us cover in in uh, this season or future seasons, uh, or if you'd like to see specific pieces of merch made out of stupid bullshit that we've said and have put up in our Redbubble store at Derazzled Merch. As mentioned, please rate, review everywhere you possibly can. Those five-star reviews uh, go a long way to yeah. putting us up in those algorithms and getting and getting us before more people's eyes and into more people's ears. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Good Pods, Stitcher, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find and rate us. And a ton of you have, and thank you so much. It really means a ton to us. Uh, you, you guys are incredible, and... We've we put a ton of work into this show this year. According to our oh, Spotify God. rap for podcasters, we've released like o- over twenty six hundred hours. It's something of, ridiculous. Or, or yeah, something like twenty or twenty six hundred minutes or whatever yeah. of of uh, of of recording content this year. And y'all have kept up with every bit of it, and we we love and, and appreciate you for that. So uh, please keep that rolling. We're going to keep this rolling, and uh, we'll be back next week. When we're as- <laughs> <laughs> I was preparing myself. I was like, don't miss it this time, Jack. <laughs> Where we'll be sure to razzle-dazzle you. Yeah.